This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com to start things out. We'll get to the story that I promised last night, and we never got to, about the space entrepreneurs. Because there is good news to report in the world. Of course, it doesn't ever have anything to do with the government. That news just keeps getting worse. But uh, in the world of entrepreneurship, in the world of the marketplace, and competition, and innovation, there's always new, exciting things going on. I I think I actually saw a story yesterday about a robot. This allegedly is the very first robot to be controlled by biological function but they uh, they took like rat neurons and somehow cultured them and attached them to a robot I, I didn't read the entire article but it sounded absolutely fascinating so it's already begun the melding of technology with biology i wonder if they're going to name it skynet or Beecher or hal or <laughs> i think it was george or something like that yeah something innocuous but uh, not only are we reaching out into the world of technology and things are getting more intricate and smaller and faster uh, but at the same time Space is rapidly opening up as a, a new competitive frontier, and there's been, of course, if you've been paying attention, there's been some pretty exciting stuff. Now, NASA, yeah, you know, as far as the dollars that they spend, they're not very exciting for what no. they uh, for what they get in return. What but, have they done lately? Well, there was the Mars thing. I mean, the Mars uh, thing, that, which cost probably billions of dollars. Yeah, taking pictures of Mars. Yeah, um, but these privateers, these private space entrepreneurs, are doing amazing things for an amazingly small dollar value in comparison to NASA. Right. You'd be under the impression that there's no way to get into space without spending billions because that's what NASA's done, and it's the only one to really do it, uh, at least in this country. But apparently not. But let's also remember the uh, individuals, the privateers, have always been restricted up until recent times by NASA. So much of this competition may um, have been able to go on a few decades ago had NASA not have it, had essentially a, a monopoly on space. And for whatever reason, it's my understanding that they have uh, loosened their grip and have allowed more and more private uh, space exploration. And in fact, NASA used to, to launch satellites and then their own satellites, and then they asked the privateers to take over launching the, the NASA satellites for them. So even NASA sort of understands that the privateers get things done faster and cheaper and better. And here is the latest from the world of space entrepreneurship. The BBC reporting that British business tycoon Sir Richard Branson has unveiled an aircraft in the U.S. that will be used for his project to launch tourists into space. The high-altitude jet will act as the mothership for a spacecraft, releasing it in midair to take two crew and six passengers on what are called suborbital flights. And more than 250 people have already paid the $200,000 price tag to be among the first making the tourist trips. Now, as far as the people who are wealthy in the world... $200,000 is pretty much chump change. I mean, to somebody like a Richard Branson, the man behind this particular uh, entrepreneur expedition, entrepreneurial kind of expedition, he's a billionaire. So $200,000 to a billionaire is, for an experience like that, well worth paying for. Yeah. And it's these people, these early adopters, who are willing to spend a couple hundred grand to go up and then come back down a couple times. I don't even know how many times they get for $200,000. 
But for those people... you uh, think they'd be satisfied. Well, thank you to the... I'd like to thank those people who are the early adopters of new ideas. You're not going to hold it against like them this. for being wealthy people that obviously made their money at the, on the backs of the rest <laughs> of us? No, absolutely not. I, but I, they're I, greedy, aren't they? Well, if they were greedy, they'd probably be holding that $200,000 and not spending it on luxuries like this. I mean, nobody needs to go and experience what weightlessness feels like, but they're willing to pay a couple hundred thousand dollars to, to be the first to experience it. And, and it's people like that that are it's willing to... It's an ostentatious to, display of wealth. Well, how many jobs do you think this whole project created? Well, there are at least the, the two people that are pilot, piloting the jet, however many support crew are on the ground. Somebody that are, built that damn yeah, thing. B- yep. The people building it, the people making sure it's kept in tip-top shape. There's stewardesses on that uh, flight in order to uh, serve <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Bloody Marys and, and uh, gimlets. So, uh, so I'd like to thank them for putting their money up and helping fund these early entrepreneurial expeditions because it's people that early adopt at a very high price that help continue development that that tell these entrepreneurs that there is a demand for this and that people are willing to pay for it and eventually more people will enter the game as i understand there are at least a handful of competitors in this particular field there's one guy that's working on building a space hotel so the more people enter the field the cheaper things will get and before you know it it's a hundred thousand dollars for the ride and then it's ten thousand dollars and then it's one thousand dollars and then you can go up you know in an afternoon uh, quick training class and you're in for you know 250 bucks i mean it's it's not down far down the line cheaper than it is to uh, do skydiving right now i'm just saying that's how things get man they just uh, well, keep getting cheaper i'm just explaining that uh you know that it, it's comparable in, in that way to skydiving yeah well, i mean but it's probably a little bit safer like because you're actually i don't a, think that there's uh, much danger in either yeah that's place. true well, anyway, the high-altitude jet will act as a mothership. Uh, again, 250 people have paid up that $200,000. Let's see, $250. let us do that math. $250 times $200,000. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of zeros. That's like half a billion dollars, I think. Hmm. So that'll be a good, good amount of seed money for Mr. Branson to reinvest and to continue developing. Anyway, the maiden voyage is predicted to take place in 18 months. A crowd of engineers, dignitaries, and space enthusiasts gathered inside a hangar in the Mojave Desert in California for the unveiling of White Knight 2, Eve. Virginia Galactic has contracted the innovative aerospace designer Bert Rutan to build the mothership and spacecraft at his scaled composites factory in California, but some hurdles remain before Virgin Galactic customers can experience zero gravity. White Knight 2 must undergo a rigorous flight testing program beginning in the autumn, which of, of course is because... Number one, they don't want to lose their investment, and number two, they don't want to lose their most precious cargo of the passengers. So they got to make. They're going to make That'll sure. That'll sink your uh, nation, company. Yeah, they're going to make bloody sure this uh, little plane is able to safely go up and down, up and down several times over, and keep these people safe. Uh, the mothership is a white four-engined jet designed to cradle Spaceship Two under its wing and release it at 50,000 feet in the air. Once separated, Spaceship Two will fire its hybrid rocket and climb some 60 miles above the Earth. Engineers still need to finish building Spaceship Two, which is now about 70% complete. And Sir Richard said the name of the White Knight Two reflected his pioneering spirit, or the pioneering spirit <laughs> oh, of his, his space tourism venture. But but this guy is quite full of himself. Have you ever seen him interviewed? He's quite entertaining to no. uh, to watch. I mean, he's basically a billionaire who, when you get that much money, you can you can afford to just throw it around and invest in these ideas. I'm sure he's being very careful about and cautious about his investment, but if he loses 
you know, the plane crashes, none of us have to pay. And Richard Branson and whatever other investors he's got on the line are the ones that are going to be liable for uh, for those damages. If they crash and burn and this whole idea goes up in smoke, none of us had to separate ourselves from a single cent of our money to see all this development happen. But yet we'll benefit from it down the line. You know, and somebody thought it was such a great idea to do this space program and, uh, you know, <laughs> um, take all of our money to do it. And And what did we get out of it? Yeah, exactly. And some of the technology that that uh, was developed during the space program is used today in, in everyday life, but a lot of it was actually sold off to um uh for political reasons to uh to companies that donate a lot of money to the right politicians. Is that right? Yeah, there's a lot of sweetheart deals on this technology where a lot of it was given away literally. Uh Eve Branson apparently was his mom and he is naming the uh, spaceship after his mother because he says it represents a first and new beginning the chance for our ever growing group of future astronauts and other scientists to see our world in a completely new light. Rattan and Branson have high hopes for White Knight 2 and its carbon composite technology that go beyond merely lofting Spaceship 2 to its launch altitude. Scaled and Virgin have set up a new joint venture called the Spaceship Company which will exploit the wider capabilities of the aircraft. He says the capabilities of this mothership are unbelievable. For instance, we could put satellites in space at a fraction of the price that satellites are currently put up there. That's going to get you some money coming in because there's pretty high demand still for satellite service. All kinds of different electronic technical services are going passing through satellites. So if Branson can offer it at you know a fraction of the cost than what it's currently offered at, he'll have people lining up around the block. We'll tell you a little bit more about this space entrepreneur, what he's doing, and uh, take your calls about whatever you want at one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Then Rasmussen reports some pretty disturbing numbers about what Americans think about free speech on the airwaves of this country. You can call in, take control, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. is the place to go. All the features are free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you to access their website, so enjoy ours free at freetalklive.com. And including, by the way, uh, on the website, you'll find updates. Get signed up for them at updates.freetalklive.com. Travel less and meet online. Try WebEx for free. Go to webex.com and enter promo code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx today. It's online meeting software that allows you to uh, meet with people and control their desk, um, or they see your desktop and, uh, you know, what you're doing. So you can show them uh, PowerPoint presentations and that kind of thing. It's WebEx. Use promo code 600 for your free trial of WebEx today. 800-259-9231. A little bit more about these uh, wonderful space entrepreneurs, people who are willing to put their personal savings on the line in order to explore the world of space travel and commercializing it and making it so that the average person eventually, not right now, but the average person eventually will be able to take a vacation not just to the Bahamas, but to some sort of space hotel, or as Branson uh, will continue here, uh, is it Charles Branson? No, Richard. Sir Richard Branson, uh, as he will explain here, his vision for what his spaceship can do that he is uh, developing. He says that they could take satellites up into space for a fraction of the price that it costs to currently put them up there. It has enormous weight capacity, so if there were a humanitarian crisis in Africa, it could carry an enormous load for aid. 
Uh, Spaceship 2 should be finished in about a year's time, and Sir Richard said he intended to take his family into space, but would not fly them until a thorough testing program had been completed and every box has been ticked. Longer term, Sir Richard uh, envisions many tens of thousands of people taking holidays in space. He says, let's go 20 years forward. If all of this goes to plan, and sounds great that he's got a plan for this sort of thing, he says, I hope that we'll have a hotel in space, and in that hotel, I hope we'll have small spaceships that can go around the moon. An excursion, he said. I'd like to see the Free Planet Project. That's an interesting idea. I don't know if I'll sign on for that. It's a little too... uh, (laughs) Well, the moon, she's a harsh mistress. Yeah, a little too much work for me, I think. (laughs) But good luck to uh, Mr. Branson and uh, the rest of his competitors. Again, he's got a handful of people that are trying to also get some of that space money to get that $200,000 to take somebody on a little trip. And from what I understand, the kind of uh, trip that they're going to be starting with here, this mid-air... Uh, suborbital flights, as they're called, is what they did for the movie Apollo 13. If you've seen that film, you know that, I mean, it looked like pe- the uh, the actors were actually weightless. And in point of fact, they were because they built their studio in one of these planes. Mm. They send it up real high in the air, and then it drops essentially at uh, full velocity. And that makes it seem like everything is weightless in there for, you know, something like a handful of seconds. So it's not a very long-lasting experience. I'm not sure how long it is. It may be a a couple dozen seconds, maybe like ten. I forget, and it doesn't go into it in this article here. But but that's essentially what we're talking about. Mm. So people are paying $200,000 to just feel what that feels like. Again, I don't know how many times they're going to take them up. If it's just one trip, that's pretty amazing that somebody would pay that amount of money just to... Have that experience to say I've done it, and you know nobody else or very very few other people have. You know, I mean, it's the only way you're going to get that experience. It's either that or go through the astronaut training. Right, and so well in 20 years though, as Branson is talking about, he's envisioning space hotels with little flights around the moon for fun. So you know, instead of getting on a cruise ship and then snorkeling, you're going onto a space hotel and literally flying, uh, looping around the moon. I think that's some pretty exciting stuff. So I agree. That's, uh, that is what is coming in the realm of space, and the only thing that the only thing that could stop this would be for the government, for NASA to expand out, for instance, and become a, a more regulatory agency than it currently is, and demand that we ha- whoa, wait a minute, these space entrepreneurs putting people's lives at risk. We need to make sure they're properly regulated and inspected, and you know, then get in the way and slow everything down and increase the expense. That's the only thing that could stand in the way of this becoming one of the most popular tourist kind of things to do in the world. So good luck to them, and I hope they stay untouched by the meddling state bureaucrats. 800-259-9231 is the number. You can take control of the airwaves. Wayne, you've got some disturbing news from Rasmussen. Another poll has come out with some pretty sick figures. That's right. You know, those sheep will say the darnest things. Rasmussen's disturbing poll. Let's hear it. Yeah. Nearly half of Americans favor the so-called fairness doctrine. Oh, jeez. They want government to mandate radio, TV stations, offer equal time to, to opposing political viewpoints. Of course, that means the so-called liberals versus conservatives. And what about the libertarian point of view? Yeah, what about it? I still have yet to figure out exactly what they're proposing. I, I don't think anything's officially on the table yet for this. But well, I think that the uh, I think the libertarian point of view is really considered uh, Republican light, or you know, some kind of Republican version of uh, looking at things, and therefore that's a bunch of nonsense. Right. It is big time. Uh, but I think that that's the perception, and 
I don't expect it to be particularly good for uh, I, I first off I, I would wouldn't propose to tell anyone what they need to do on their radio station mm-hmm. uh, but I do believe that Americans you know if you, wouldn't it be fair fair sounds good and shouldn't both sides get to talk and, and of course the you know people want the station to put what they want on the air not what makes sense financially and you know, it's just it's just crazy we've uh, Talked on a couple of occasions about sort of uh, liberals on radio, and um, in one case, um, a guy who has a radio station out in Santa Cruz, Michael Z, he uh, had a, a very popular talker um, that was conservative, and so he decided, I'll start at the liberal one. This is a liberal t- um, town. I'll mm-hmm. do even better. Santa Cruz, man. How right. can you fail? The liberals wouldn't buy ads on – they would listen, but they wouldn't buy ads on his station because they knew that he owned the conservative talker, too. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to show what the the mentality is here. And yeah. uh, over in uh, Brattleboro, Vermont, we uh, we were talking to station manager or some guy over there, Peter Case, um, and he said that they tried to give some equipment to the um, you know this this pirate radio station, Radio Free. This blew my mind. Yeah, he tried to give equipment to Radio Free Brattleboro, now, this is a, saga- private, uh, a pirate station, right? This and is they turned saga. it down because he was owned by a corporation, right? Saga Communications owns a whole bunch of radio. They're one of the big, maybe top five. Definitely top ten uh, largest radio owners in America, and to have somebody who's working for a company like that say, "Yeah, we were just going to give some of our equipment to this pirate radio station," that just blew my mind. And they wouldn't take it. They were going to give them an, a, a board. They were going to give them a, a professional radio. I told board. them, you know, send it, send it our way if you want to give. We don't have away. enough room for that <laughs> thing. I mean, these things are large, Big. professional devices so that are would, very expensive. So get, let me get this straight. They didn't want it because uh, this this corporation owned this these people. What about them? They're corporations. Don't they know that? <laughs> well, that's what we talked about on uh, when we were over there. We were hosting their morning show because they're going to hopefully be starting us on Saturday nights as of this weekend there in Brattleboro. And, of course, you know, it's a progressive station. The Brattleboro is just communist everywhere. And so inevitably people called in and complained about corporations. And we made the, made sure to point out that our biggest concern, that we understand their, their concerns about corporations, but we're concerned with the biggest corporation, and that is the state, the, the government uh, corporation known as you know the federal government. That's the corporation you need to be con- most concerned with. That's right. And that's the corporation that empowers all of the other ones or protects all of the other ones. So we made those points, and I don't think anybody had, any, had much to say about that, did they, Mark? Uh, not much. I, I really love the lady that felt like we should... Uh we needed to disclose that we were from the Free State Project. <laughs> what? In Vermont? I'm in a different damn state. All right, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. I'm also being corrected on what a suborbital flight is. We'll share uh, the alleged truth here in a moment. You can take control, bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features are free, so enjoy those, including the wiki. Over 1,700 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. 
In chapter six, subterranean, Ted Galahad goes to hell. Or Tad Galahad, excuse me. Ted, Tad. In hell, he finds nanobots, killbots, sexbots, supermodel clones, immortality, and a rocket ride off this pale blue dot. Go to freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. And the next chapter is coming very soon, uh, Ooh, next week or two, yeah. All right, so we're going to continue here. We'll get to the calls in a moment, but I want to make sure we get a chance to uh, push through a few more of these factoids. Uh, Rasmussen had done a, a survey. I'm not sure who uh, commissioned it, but that might be interesting to find out who commissioned Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, but they have found that the first number you've reported is that 47% of Americans that answered the survey mm-hmm. believe said, the government should require stations to so-called balance the political viewpoint expressed over the airwaves. Rasmussen found, however, 71% say it is already possible for just about any political view to be heard on, in today's media. Some 20% did not agree. The Interesting. Poll, the poll also touched on Those regulation. Are libertarians. <laughs> yeah. The poll also touched on regulation of the internet, revealing seven, 31% believe websites should be forced to balance their commentary. That's pretty crazy. This week, Rasmussen noted that's a third, almost a third of people that just Americans. don't understand economics. They don't understand people working in their own self-interest in order um, to make things. Uh, or they don't understand the internet. What, right. The, attempting to um, to balance it. Yeah, what are you sure. what are you supposed to do? I mean, if I go and open up a, a website, a you know, freekeen.com is my blog. The purpose of the blog is to give pro liberty voices in the Keene, New Hampshire area a, a place to write and share their stuff with the surrounding people and people around the world. Uh, would I then have to, if I was planning on opening a blog, would I then have to kind of hunt around town to try to find a a, a Republican or a Democrat or something like that to to come on there and balance out our radical pro freedom opinions? I mean, what is it that? How would that exactly work? Well, maybe on the air, like Mark would have to play a neocon, I would have to play a liberal, and then you 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 would play the libertarian, and we would all role play. That's fun for like a couple minutes sometimes yeah. where we role play, but it gets really tedious. It's, I, I just can't do it. Yeah, I can't either. I can only keep it up for so long because, you know, our point of view just decimates the status. It decimates their viewpoint. They yeah. can't say anything to it. Does, if they try to balance the Internet, uh, does that mean that every uh, porn site has to have a, a link to some uh, Bible site, Bible-thumping site? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think this is primarily a political thing. Go ahead with uh, a little, little more, Wayne. Uh, this week, Rasmussen noted Robert McDowell, a Bush appointee to the Federal Communications Commission, suggested restoration of the Fairness Doctrine could lead to government regulation of content on the Internet. Now, there again, there's the classic case of the pot calling the kettle black. Uh, and Bush has also come out against the Fairness Doctrine, surprisingly. Republican uh, Rep. Mike Pence of Indiana has introduced a Broadcaster Freedom Act, arguing the lifting of the Fairness Doctrine has opened the public airways to free and vigorous discussion of controversial issues by individuals of all political stripes, which I think we'd all agree with, right? I, I think it's helped. I don't think the airways are in any way open. Bringing back I the- think that, but they still don't let anybody get on the air, so that's a problem. Yeah, true. Well, at least you can podcast and you can blog, but... Uh, bringing back For the now. fairness doctrine would amount to government control over political views expressed on the public airways, Pence said. It is a dangerous proposal to suggest the government should be in the business of rationing free speech, he said. Pence, a former broadcaster, says his Broadcasters Freedom Act would ensure that pr- true freedom and fairness would remain on our radio airwaves. 
Well, I wish him good luck. It certainly seems that there's a stir out there for this fairness doctrine idea. I don't know how popular it is amongst the politicos, but when they see polls like this, it certainly must make them salivate. I mean, those that wish to control the content of uh, radio and television and apparently the Internet must be just gleeful over the fact that 47% are saying they want the airwaves to be balanced and that uh, almost a third are saying they want blogs to be balanced. And then there's, of course, those people that are undecided, which those people are all on the fence, could very well be more than a majority. So they... They've got their fingers up in the air at all times. But here's why I don't buy the numbers completely, because you have to really hear the questions and the way the poll is done. True. They they have what's called a push poll, where they try to get the achieved results for their employer. So there are a lot of people on the liberal side who are upset that there are so many so-called conservative talk radio shows, and there aren't that many liberal ones. Well, uh, look what happened to Air America. The marketplace is rejecting that viewpoint over the airwaves, obviously, for whatever reason. It works in some places. In yeah. some places, uh, liberal talk or progressive talk, whatever you want to call it, is working very well. Uh, there are hosts like Ed, uh, what's his name? Ed, Ed Schultz. Schultz. Mm-hmm. He's very, very popular. I think he's like the fifth most popular talk host uh, in America, I'm tied know. with several others. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's got millions of listeners, and he's making money. I hear so. he's a good broadcaster. Well, at the same time, you have that 71% that already say, so it's a contradiction, because they're saying, yeah, but it, 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 it's possible that you can hear every viewpoint you want on, on the airway, so why would you want to regulate anyone? Maybe they're concerned about those areas wherein uh, there's only one station or one viewpoint being heard on the air. Perhaps it's not like that where they live, but maybe they envision that it's happening in other people's places. It's just so they, control. Is yeah, all it is, control. Is all it is is control. Everybody wants to have as much control over everything that they possibly can, and the public feels like they should have control over your business. In this case, your business is a radio station or a television station. Right. Being able to turn and it off is good is, enough. It's stupid. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if if you had the public controlling uh, what the content was on a radio station, a it would uh, be bland and boring, and b it would switch all the time, and so you wouldn't have consistency. Yeah, this is really bad news if this comes about. Of course, we'll keep our eyes on it and let you know what we continue to hear. As we go to your calls, uh, let's talk to Hawaii, where Kayla is on the line. Hello, Kayla. Kayla, Aloha. on Free Talk Live. Hello? Hello? Oh, it, uh, it's Kayla. K- Kayla? Caleb? Caleb? Kayla. Kayla. Hello, Kayla. What's on your mind? How's it? Oh, uh, well, I just wanted to share my experience with, uh, with the school system. Certainly. Uh, yeah, um... Well, um, I went to a plum school for um, elementary school, and I had a, a learning disability uh, called dysgraphia, which is basically like, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, you're, you're like you're writing backwards. Huh. Okay. In the sense that, like, you know Leonardo da Vinci, um, like his letters were flipped over? Like if you put it in a mirror. I've heard of that. I see. You're actually yeah, yeah. writing it's the letters. something you're... similar to that, but it's... It was a little bit different. So if you were intending to write the letter B, you might accidentally write the letter D? Kind. Well... Lowercase? It's complicated. Okay. Like, Yeah, yeah. But um, anyways, um, I was uh, like, uh, during the... Sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. That's okay. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was um, like, I, they would uh, take me to the side to like deal with my like learning disabilities. And we would uh, play like these... Uh, really um pointless games like we, we would like throw balls just, like to try to develop coordination or something like that hmm. it, was, it was really uh like useless like things that they would do to like try to help like my learning disability or whatever mm-hmm. but um it would really like disable me like in the sense that i would not have the uh like i like what uh, the like the, the class was learning like cursive and all like these other skills um 
like I wouldn't be like learning that and I would just be taken aside doing all these pointless things. And like, so I didn't really get a lot of the, um, like a lot of the fundamentals. And so, so I, I was kind of like disabled, um, when I went into, oh, uh, well, actually, um, I also wanted to touch up on another, uh, subject, which is kind of like tied into this is, uh, um, after, um, the public school education, um, after I left public school, cause it was just a total joke. My, uh, parents just wanted to get me out of there. Um, sure. I went to a, special education uh school but and not necessarily for um like retarded kids or anything but uh yeah. like uh dysgraphia you know you don't do this I, I don't know what it is but uh you've I've got a definition sort of dis- you, yeah i mean you've described it uh, so so what about this you when you left the school what about that oh no sorry not, not dysgraphia uh, dyslexia oh dyslexia. dyslexia yeah okay yeah yeah uh dys- dysgraphia is just a form of uh dyslexia um and anyways the school had actually um sorry this might be a little bit off topic but um it's had a lot of ADHD kids, and you you always used to talk about um, how um, like they would drug kids up, yeah. with, like Ritalin and all that. Sure. Well, you see, I've gone to a school and like I've been with like these ADHD kids, and trust me, like when they don't get their like medicine, like like there are definitely people that have conditions that like where they require medicine to like like. Oh yeah, I, oh, I believe that. I, I just think, they, like, I just I think, think that they may over. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I just hear you guys like just discredit a lot. No, of No, I don't. Um, I don't intend to discredit at all. I just think that uh, they frequently associate these terminologies with the kids that don't really have them. And I thank you for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the number. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it, is, uh, whatever it is you buy, it over 41 categories to choose uh, from, and there are, let's see, used items, too. So you load it in your cart and feel good because you're getting the brands you trust at a great price. Free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of items, and Free Talk Live will benefit with a percentage of your purchase. I just bought something at uh, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com today. Uh, it was On the Wealth of Nations. Not Look. Adam Movie? Smith, uh, no, Adam Smith's book, the okay. know, legendary book, uh, Wealth of Nations, the one that uh, sort of defined yeah, the invisible ca- hand and all that, that stuff. All that stuff, yeah. P.J. O'Rourke wrote a book that, and you know, he's he's funny and and it's much shorter. Mm-hmm. So it's called On the Wealth of Nations, and I saw it reviewed, and I thought I'd give it a shot, and cool. it seemed like it was worth it to me. Amazon got, got used and shipped it off for four bucks. Nice. Including shipping? No, no, it was four bucks for shipping. Oh, okay. It was like four bucks, three three bucks for the book or something. Not too shabby. All right, 800-259-9231 to the amp line. We talked to Puke in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Puke. Good evening, guys. Hey there. What's on your mind? Oh, I just want to make some corrections from the, uh, the uh, story about space travel you were talking about. I hate your stinking earlier. corrections. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate sorry, but, them. Uh, uh, because I'm just, Accuracy. you know, I'm just a guy with a microphone, and when people call in to tell me I'm wrong, it's uh, it is appreciated. Understand? We guys can't know everything, and but yep. uh, you know, I'm an aviation buff, so I sort of know these things, and they're completely useless. But uh, you you mentioned that uh, this uh, uh, Virgin Galactic is going to make these trips into into space, suborbital, uh, basically for rich people. 
Yeah. Um, uh, basically, it's it's uh, you only take one trip up and right back down, and they only get about I think it said about uh, two minutes of weightlessness. So oh, that's not really bad. quick. And uh, but I mean, it's it's yeah, but but it that, sounds quick. Know, puke. Hang on a minute. It sounds quick, but at the same time, when when you pay attention to time passing, it goes pretty slow. And I would imagine that if you're experiencing something brand new for the very first time, that could be something that one of those times where you're going to experience a, a stretching of time. It's going to feel like much longer than than it actually is. It's quick. Right. I mean, there's there's only been you know a few hundred people that have actually been outside of our atmosphere past what's called the uh, Karum line, which is 100 kilometers up or 62 miles. That's the uh, the sort of designated line where space start, starts. And uh, the way they did it in Apollo 13 was called the Vomit Comet, where that was a they have a big jumbo jet that they they fly in the atmosphere that's well below this Karman line, uh-huh. and it, it just makes big uh, like parabolas. So basically, it's like a roller coaster. It, it flies up and then drops down like a rock. So this is and different. Yeah, yeah, this is different from what Virgin Galactic is going to be. Virgin Galactic is actually going to go into space. Wow. Whereas this vomit comet thing is just, it's like being in an elevator. You're falling at the same rate of speed as the airplane. So it's its a—it's sort of a false sense of uh, weightlessness, but it's pretty close to the same thing. So then, these uh, people at Virgin Galactic to... will be experiencing a longer period because they're not going to just be falling straight down. There's some sort of twirly thing that they do. Do you know no. about that? No. Oh no! I mean, the they're they're going to be experiencing real weightlessness. I mean, that they're going to be far enough away from the planet that it's actual um, weightlessness. Well, it's not actually weightlessness because you have to go like way out in space to get through weightlessness. But yeah. anyway, that's kind of semantics. Hmm. But uh, you'll be weightless you know, enough for to, their, for to their bounce around. No, hundred thousand dollars. They also get. I think they get to keep their equipment, and you know, they get uh, like days worth of training and all yeah. this stuff. Hmm. And it's pretty cool. But I right wanted on. to also mention that, um, you know, private private space exploration is, is still pretty dangerous because I don't know if you guys heard about uh, uh, Elon Musk's company, SpaceX. He's the guy that started PayPal. And he's also into this uh, private space endeavors at the moment. And they just uh, lost their third uh, Falcon 1, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, spacecraft. Cause yeah. they're, they're, work, they're working on extremely cheap methods to get... Uh, you know, cargo and satellites and stuff up in the space, and and you know, it is still rocket science. So yeah, well, I did see that. You know, I actually did see that story, and I put it in the show prep. It's one of those things we just didn't get to, and I wanted to point it out, not because uh, you know, to point out that well, obviously people fail when they try things. I mean, you, when you try new ideas, right. you're going to learn from your failures, and hopefully, you'll refine your ideas enough to the point where they'll be successful. And in that period of time, you're going to spend some money. I mean, you're going to lose a spaceship or two or three or five right. research, or, research and development or ten. And you know, my, my purpose yeah. in originally bringing that up was going to be and as we discussed earlier to point out that hey none of us had to pay for that that eli guy is the one that was his yeah. money was on the line and i i feel great about well, that i mean i'm sorry for him yeah, but nasa has been around for 70 years and they're still losing spacecraft yeah you know left and right so yep for these guys to only have lost three they're the you know and they're basically taking their baby steps you know so and they didn't lose any lives they either they, it was just the, the spacecraft that crashed and burned there were no um i don't think there was anyone right. on board no, no, nobody died. Uh, James Duhans, the guy who played Scotty, his ashes didn't make it into space, and some other people didn't. But <laughs> nobody actually died who wasn't already dead. So. But at least it wasn't a taxpayer expense. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no kidding.
So. Awesome. Puke, any yeah, other thoughts? It's very exciting. I can't wait till uh, maybe maybe by the time I'm 60 years old, I can take a trip up in space for a few thousand dollars. Branson is saying it's going to be 20 years. I mean, so you might not even be 60. Maybe uh, oh, yeah. you know, in your 40s or something like that. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe I can uh, maybe I can do it sooner. That'd be pretty sweet. So yep. We'll hey, see how it goes. Puke, thanks for the expertise, man. We appreciate the no call. Problem. 800-259-9231. And maybe it, maybe it won't even be 20 years. Because you never know uh, what sort of amazing, innovative developments will occur within that time span that, that they aren't necessarily predicting right now. You know, he can see 20 years out, this is what he wants to do, but remember when they were talking, we, uh, we talked once about how they were discussing of the, the coding of the human genome, that they said that it's going to take forever, and, and, for, and it looked at the very beginning as though it was going to take forever because they didn't hit the, the exponential portion of the growth curve, and then all of a sudden they hit that point and it things just started spiking up as far as the completion rate was concerned, as far as mapping the genome. And they had it done in, I don't remember if it was faster than the amount of time they estimated, but it was certainly a lot of people were down in them and saying, oh, this is never going to get done. It's going to take forever. And it went a lot faster than people expected once it hit that point of uh, of no return, so to speak, where there's this you know and um, exponential increase. These projections, I, I remember I took a... Uh, I, I was with a uh, a sales coach, and at the time I was uh, doing uh, sales. Uh, you know, a uh, I was in charge of sales for a radio station, and you know we were talking about projections, and I and I said, you know, they always tell you you need these projections, and certainly every uh, every corporate office wants projections out of the local sales office and that kind of thing, but I don't like to do them because my mom taught me not to lie, and mm. you know he he thought it was very funny, and the fact is. You just don't know what's going to happen. No. You just don't. Well, it's okay to have a goal. It's it, okay to say, I want to do this in 20 years, but we also have to understand it could happen faster. Could happen slower, but I don't it know. That, I don't, you just don't know. But with competition in the marketplace, odds are against it happening slower. Right. For an individual company, it could happen slower, and then they'll be overtaken in the marketplace. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of momentum that happens, too, because as you were saying, the human genome, it looked like it was going to take forever, that all of a sudden enough mental momentum got behind it. And all of a sudden, it happened. Or once they figured out one very important factor, it helped unravel more, and then that helps, you know, helps unravel more. And so, so there could be some really important developments along that line that will quicken the pace. Because also at the same time, technology is going to be improving. We already know that Moore's law is in effect there, where you know the, the speed of things and the processing capabilities and stuff like that doubling every 12 months now. So that's going to be go- operating in parallel with these people uh, exploring space. Certainly, they'll be incorporating wonderful new technology into their spacecraft, and who knows what sort of fuel sources will uh, be developed as a result of this, because that's a big deal. I mean, Branson was talking about how he can get satellites up with his new spaceship for much cheaper, and I think that has to do with the uh, – I think that's something that they're re- researching is the fuel source, because that's the most expensive thing about getting a rocket up into the atmosphere sure is. is you are spending – serious dough and you're just burning it up on launch and so, the way it goes not to mention the fact that the fuel is the most vulnerable part of the spaceship when it's going right. through the atmosphere with the heat so i know there's tiles and different ways to uh, shield the the, the uh, passengers the payload but i guess he hasn't gotten that part down yet so these are the things that these entrepreneurs are going to want to be working on because they still you know even though they got a lot of money they still want to reduce their costs as much as possible and if they can figure out a way to do that save a bunch of money on fuel and they can put that money somewhere else then that's going to be good, and that'll be good for everybody else out there trying to save money on it, fuel. This also has a lot of parallels to the alternative energy industry, which is starting to really pick up steam now that, that the oil prices are going up. And it just, it just takes one major breakthrough, and we could have a totally new source of energy that we can run our cars and our homes on. Absolutely. 
The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. Coming up, Tom is on the line in Florida. He's got some critique, apparently, for me. We'll see what that's all about if he hangs on. More on the way. You well, can bring up anything. Well, you're a prickly dude. I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't doubt it. Also, uh, the latest on Service Nation, this national organization pushing for the return or uh, the idea of national service or national slavery forcing people to work for the government. Service Nation claims that's not what they're for, but... We'll uh, touch base with them here in moments. It's Free Talk Live Hour 2 is coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we're launching here in hour number two of the program. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your calls. Tom is on the line in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tom. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. How are you doing? Just great. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, uh, you know what? I just wanted to let you know, I've been a podcast uh, listener for about a year and a half now, and uh, I, I really never was involved in politics and really knew too much about it until I started listening. And, uh, you know, it kind of moved me in, in a way that, and, and it kind of changed the way I think about a lot of things. And um, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry to the KG uh, Easy uh, situation there because I really uh, like the callers from there, and it's just a shame the way that went down. But uh, yeah. I, yep. I think the problem may be, uh, if you don't mind me saying, Ian, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I think sometimes that you seem a little bit insensitive to um, to issues, uh, regardless if it's uh, something about a conspiracy or, or anything else. You know, it just seems like sometimes you're quick to cut people off. And maybe uh yeah, well, it depends you know i I see how you can uh you might interpret it that way, but it really depends on how the person who's calling is behaving. I understand that uh, that's what people pay attention to is and people's calls get cut short, but on the same uh you know to to counter what it is that you're saying, there are certain people that call in like Paula or Jeff. Uh, and, you know, these people that we've had extended conversations with them about their conspiracy, uh, you know, their fringe conspiracy ideas. So it really depends because those people you can have discussions with without them yelling or getting angry at the fact that you aren't really, uh, you know, taking them too seriously. Uh, those people that, you know, that, that want to have that attitude are going to not last as long. And that's, that's just a fact. But as we all, I think, admitted earlier this week, that we definitely have come to the conclusion that we were being a bit too nasty, I think, with the fringe conspiracy theorists. And so that, all that said, they've been nasty with us, some of them. And it's those people that I just am somewhat intolerant of. And I think that's well, okay. I'll, let me say this, too, because, um, I don't exactly uh, believe a, a damn word any of them people say usually because it seems like a bunch of crap. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but you know, I I just think that uh, you know not not only them but everyone in general should be treated equally. You know, and, and Paula, I probably wouldn't even take her calls anymore, honestly. Cause I, uh, we I love Paula's calls. About it doesn't matter if you, if what you're talking about is crazy, as long as you're willing to to answer questions about it um, and talk to us and have a discussion, we'll talk with you. But a lot of these people that call in, they get uppity. If they get on the air and they start spouting off their facts about, you know, all the Building 7 and uh, the Pentagon and missiles and planes, blah, 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 yeah. whatever it is that, you know, they're spewing off, whatever it is they want to get out there, they start spewing off 
their claims, and we want to ask questions. We want to clarify. We want to understand what it is they're talking about. And But if you interrupt to ask a question, then they start complaining because you're interrupting. Well, I've got this whole list of things that I want to get out here, and you're getting in my way. This is supposed to be free talk live. But they don't understand this is a talk radio show, and in order to have good talk radio, we have to have conversations. This is not you know, the free talk live lecture series where everybody can call in and just blather on, which some of these people apparently believe they'll be able to do, and then they get very upset and very angry at us when we just simply try to have a conversation. Well, it's I, those people I won't tolerate. I think that the, what, they, what they're experiencing there is, um, for instance, if somebody's going to make a multifaceted point and we don't agree with the first facet of the point, we immediately jump in and, and you know refute that first yeah. facet so they don't get to get their entire thought process out. However, if you and I want to make a multifaceted point, we'll say, hold on, hold on, and we'll talk over them and we will finish our point. You know, like that, that part doesn't seem fair to people. I don't think we normally make multifaceted points. Usually we're responding and asking questions to that individual. So I... I don't think so, Mark. And there have been pl- there have been certainly plenty of times when you have allowed. I know you've wanted to jump into a conversation, but you know you've allowed that person to get some points out before you jump in. But if they, if these are we're talking about the types of personalities where if they don't get to get out 100 percent of whatever it is that they wanted to originally say, you know, then they well, start some screaming. Well, talk that, you into the dirt. That's then for we sure. start. Then they start screaming that we're part of the conspiracy. You know, we're uh, New World Order slaves, or you know, we're owned by the Bilderbergers, or whatever other paranoid crackpottery, or that we're on the CIA payroll and that, you know, how dare we, which is, of course, just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, why would we even take their calls? I mean, well, I, you know, I understand that, and I definitely don't agree with, uh, you know, 100% of, of, of all those weird theories, you know, uh, and I just want to end with a positive note, you guys. I, I, you know, like I said, I've been listening for about a year and a half on podcasts, and I, I've been uh, really trying to coerce my wife into joining the Free State Project. I really want to be a part of this movement, and I just I just want to try to, you know, I was just giving you a little bit of constructive criticism. Oh, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and we want to talk about right it. Direction. Yeah, I, I didn't want to make it seem like I, it wasn't appreciated. I absolutely do understand where you're coming from, but you have to also understand, and, and I thank you for the call, Tom. Thank you for, uh, for your thoughts. But you also have to understand that there's people out there. For instance, I, I saw there was, because we can't satisfy everybody. If we let these people Just talk can't. on and on and on, that will satisfy them. But the listeners are really the most important part of the show, not the callers. The callers are the po- most important element of the show. But if we don't have people listening to the show, then there is no show. And one of the uh, people on our message board posted that he had turned his friend on in Tampa to Free Talk Live and said, hey, you should check this show out. It's on Saturday nights now because that's when we're on in Tampa on 9 70 uh, wfla and he listened and he heard a bunch of these uh fringers calling in and it turned him off he thought that maybe that maybe we were giving them too much time in his a opinion. lot of listeners give you five minutes yeah on, on radio they give you five minutes right even though we try to make it clear that this is the show that anyone can call in about anything so if you've got some fringe uh, conspiracy theory you can call in if you want to talk about an issue if you want to talk about a personal problem you can call in about all that stuff so, but I don't know if he got that under. I don't know if he understood that this was an open format radio show or whatever. But maybe somebody like him says, "Wow, they're talking too much about this conspiracy crap." Whereas the conspiracy, the uh, the fringe conspiracy theorists don't think we talk enough about it, and they get upset when they aren't allowed to just yammer on about every other little factoid about nine eleven or whatever it is they're promoting that day. Yeah. So you know. We've, there's there's some sort of delicate balancing act that has to go on behind the scenes here, and that balancing act is a conversation. Because if we just let people call in and just blah, 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 and we don't say anything back, 
then it does sound like we're promoting those ideas and it does sound like we're in agreement with them and that we're just allowing this show to be a sounding board for people like that. They can call and they can get a couple points out, but then we're going to discuss. And if they have a problem with that, call another show. Because there are a bunch of conspiracy shows out there that would love to have you, you know, stroke them about how great they are and, you know, talk about all the little factoids that everybody's heard a hundred times if they pay attention to that stuff. So I hope that makes it clear where we're coming from. 800-259-9231 is the number. Uh, Let's jump to the email box here. Frank emails in. He says, hey, I've been working in advanced computer tech support since 2000. This year, I'm being forced to go on long-term disability for a medical condition. My insurance company told me I have to apply for government SSI because my insurance policy requires me to do so in order to get benefits. Mm. He says, I want to work, but I don't want to be, and I don't want to be disabled. I will get back to work as soon as possible, but should I accept money from the government? If I do not, accepting your free market philosophy ideal is a current possibility, then who should I turn to so I can eat, pay my mortgage, and not have to worry about freezing to death in the winter or bursted, uh, or bursting of bloated heat during the summer? You know, it's not an easy, it's not an easy question to answer. And there's, there's, there's two sides to this. Basically, am I creating a demand, uh, you know, by taking this stuff, am I creating a demand for it in the marketplace that um, then people feel justified in creating the supply through government coercion, Right. You understand? Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, I, I would feel bad sending my kid to public school, even though I pay my property taxes and have since I've owned a home. And yeah, but that's not a life or death situation. Understood. This guy's where his health is on the line. Right, right. I, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just you know giving examples from my life, um, and my, my life has not been on the line. Right. However, um, at the same time, it, you know, the government's a big thief, essentially. You know, they, they go out there and, and they steal money from people through the threat of taking their houses away. Um, in the case of SSI, they thre- the threat is uh, likely to throw you in jail or to threaten your, uh, uh, bus- the business owner um, wh- whom you work for with uh, being out of business. So if you've paid in to SSI all along, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you paid in. They've stolen your money and... Um, you know, if the thief is out in the middle of uh, the square giving out $10 bills, there's really nothing wrong with you going and trying to get some of those $10 bills that I have he's to agree. stolen from everyone. I have to agree. It may seem uh, inappropriate. It may seem unprincipled. And there may be some level of truth to that statement. But it is the money that you paid in. So right. that's, it's all right to take it back out. And then there's also the I just the like fact the feeling of sanctimony I get by not using the stuff that they have. Right. And, but then there's also the fact that government sort of alleviates the charity market to some extent. We can talk about that in a moment here and how that's negative in this um, whole scheme of things. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. We've got archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download from the front page of the website at freetalklive.com. Been trying a new uh, weight loss supplement. It's helping me to eat less. It's also uh, helping me lose a little weight. I've lost a couple of pounds. Haven't weighed myself, but in uh, the last few days. But uh, I had lost two pounds after about ten days, and uh, we'll be checking again soon. It's Dex C20. You can try it out uh, it, by just going to your most major retailers: Walgreens, CVS, that kind of thing. I believe they have it at Walmart in the uh, the pharmacy section, or you can go to Diet. 
diet.freetalklive.com. That's diet.freetalklive.com. DexC20. All right. As we continue this email from Frank, he has got a situation where his insurance company has told him he has to apply for government social security insurance. Or I guess, is that what SSI stands for? Social yeah. security insurance? Anyway, because his policy requires it to do, or requires him to do so in order to get benefits that they're forcing him to go on long-term, uh, Apparently, he's being forced to go on long-term disability for his medical condition. He's concerned about the idea of accepting money from the government for this purpose. But there are reasons why that it's not as bad as you know you might think. I mean, if you're living as much of your life from a principled pro-liberty uh, perspective, wherein you aren't, you don't want to aggress against your neighbors, and you understand that government is force and government is coercion, so it can be it can be difficult to accept something like this when you have that understanding in your head about what government is but at the same time it's like you said mark they're passing out some of the money they've stolen from you is there something inherently wrong with taking it i'm sure someone could make that argument but i can't agree i think that there's there's nothing particularly wrong about that especially considering uh that the government as you said during the break wayne destroys the charity market uh and i like that term better than alleviates it i was going to say like alleviates the demand but basically, government, by stealing people's money and claiming to be helping people with it, it creates an illusion in people's mind that, well, they don't need to give to charity because they've already paid taxes, and so therefore, government is going to take care of those people. It's the government's people. job, in other words. They, they think that, and they see some homeless person in the street or some person who needs help, and they think, I don't have the money. I gave all my money to the government. I gave it the office. Yeah. So uh, so that reduces the demand on uh, the people that would normally be giving money to charities, but they can just tell themselves, well, I've already paid taxes, so I've, I've taken care of that. Or uh, my story would be, well, I would have given money to charity, but I paid so much in taxes that I can't afford to do it. Uh, I had originally, as you know, talked about on this program earlier this year about how I wanted to stop paying property taxes. The only reason I didn't stop was because Julia basically said that she was going to be pretty pissed about that, and she wasn't ready to uh, to make that move in her life. And she's living with me right now, and I wasn't ready to, you know, I don't want to throw her out on the street or anything like that or, or make her feel like she has to leave. So it was really, it, it ended up being a real personal conflict where I wanted to do one thing, but I also want to keep Julia around, and so I, I went in that direction. Good. But, you know, you, also, you have to pick your battles. Right. And she said, you know, well, I should wait until there's five people that are also willing to stop paying property taxes. And I thought that was a reasonable idea. But as a result, I paid $2,500 for half a year in property taxes, and originally what I was going going to do with that money was take a chunk of it, considering I was going to save X amount by not paying for the school portion of the property taxes, which is like 60%. So I would have saved like $1,200 or something like that by not paying, maybe, maybe like thirteen or 1400 by not paying the school portion of that 2500 And I could have taken a big chunk of that. And in fact, I'd planned to give a portion of that, like at least 500 bucks, to the Liberty Scholarship Fund. I wanted to give some of that money to charity, but really, I don't have very much else at the moment as far as disposable income because I've got ant money coming in, but that's for the show, so that's being reinvested in the show. As far as my personal finances are concerned, there's, I mean, I don't make a lot of money doing this. I make enough to live, but I don't have a whole lot of extra. I take all of it. So you do take a good chunk, and you deserve it. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I didn't give that money to the Liberty Scholarship Fund this year because... I felt like I had to give it to the gang. So if people didn't have, uh, if they didn't feel like they had this obligation to pay the uh, government gangsters this these property taxes, they'd have more money in their pocket and they'd be more likely to give to charity. I know that I would. Not to mention our, our, our phony fiat money system also impoverishes people and causes them to be in that position as well. 
There, there's just right. so there's just so many areas where we're creating this problem with with government handling of of all these things, and then of course an inflationary uh, fiat money system. Frank continues with a few other questions. He says, would you be willing to be charitable as you promote for the rest of the free market enough to support my life so that I can return to the free market as soon as possible after receiving my medical care? Oh, you're not responsible for for my medical care for sure, but where is this charity you talk about when talking about your your particular free enterprise? Do you give to any charities is his question. Are you asking me? Everybody. I I give to uh, Salvation Army, uh, Goodwill. um, Let's see. At St. Jude's Hospital. But it's been a little while since I've written them a check. Um, There's a a mission group that I uh, support also. So, you know, my my stuff gets around. Church? Well, I give to charity, I guess, through giving you a paycheck, Mark. They consider that charity? I don't don't actually uh, give anything that I can think of to any charities. I mean, I I buy things from time to time, you know, at a bake sale or something like that, but nothing nothing of any significance, but I don't make a lot of money. I I agree with you. I do like it that uh, when when I see bake sales and that kind of thing going on, there was a a group of uh, guys out at the, uh, uh, the Walmart there selling baked goods uh, for the Phoenix house or mm-hmm. something like that, and, and I thought I'd help him out, and so I bought a Rice Krispie treat, and it was the worst Rice Krispie treat I've ever <laughs> had in my life. But, you know, I mean, even though I didn't eat their little Rice Krispie treat, I gave him a couple of bucks, and I, I generally do that. Wayne, how about you? Yes, I donate to several charities, and also every Christmas season, my wife and I try to find a family in our community that's going through tough times and help them maybe send over a, 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 like a big turkey dinner or something like that that helps them out and, and whatever else we can do to get to get them on their way. One year, uh, we've, we've met up with a family whose dad had passed, had been killed on a motorcycle about a month before, mm. and they had a lot of issues dealing with the, the loss of income from him and so on, so we try to help them out. And but there's always somebody in your community, and you can you can do this. It, it's actually a very nice time around the holidays when it's getting cold, and people are supposed to be happy, but yet you have a family who can't really be happy because, or they they can't. It's really an effort to be because of something that's happened in their life recently. Now, twenty-somethings generally have less uh, disposable income with which to give to things like charity. I'm in my late twenties. Mark, you're in your mid thirties. Uh, and Wayne, I, I think you you're qualify 80? me as late 30s at this 87? point. 87? <laughs> I so, can't tell. I stopped at 35. But you guys have had more time in order to accumulate a little bit more wealth. You guys are also making a little bit more money. So. I think you just feel more responsible as you get older, too, quite honestly. Yeah. I, I just, I swear to God, I, I think you do. I absolutely would give money to charity if I didn't, if I wasn't spending $5,000 a year, more than that, actually, on property taxes. You spend a lot more on property taxes than I do. That's yeah, sure. right. Yours is like what, fifteen hundred or something like no, that, or eighteen hundred? This, this year it was uh, cheap because we had, um, you know, we're paying for last year. There was no nothing on the property. So, would love your thoughts on this uh, issue or whatever you want to talk about. Let's go to Bill in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bill. Hello, gang. How are you guys doing? Hey, great. What's on your mind, hey, Bill? Bill? Well, first I want to uh, go ahead and thank you for taking my call. And we finally got into a topic that I actually know something about, and okay. that's uh, dealing with government handing out of money because I'm currently on their payroll as far as uh, collecting disability is concerned. And I'm slowly trying to get myself off the system. So my uh, my first gut reaction to this gentleman is to, um, why, while I understand why his insurance company is wanting him to file for SSI, um, it's more or less uh, to prove to them that he has a legitimate claim for uh, disability. Uh, but, but the insurance company doesn't hey, understand Hey, we're going to bring you back. Hang on, Bill. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, and they include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. If you have a company or know somebody who does, related to them, that kind of thing, need to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI is the main sponsor of the show. They do collections. They do early out billing. They purchase charged off receivables. Uh, Jason and his dad, Mike, are really great guys. And um, give them some business, would you? That's SACL CAI. You can check out their banner at freetalklive.com. And do business with business support free, free Talk Live. As we continue with your phone calls, Bill is on the line still in Oklahoma. Bill, you are in the middle of making a point. We had to uh, brutally interrupt you because of the uh, break that uh, slammed in there on us. Uh, what was it that you were saying? If you could just recap briefly. Uh, sure. Um, uh, as I was telling the listeners before, uh, I am on the government's payroll uh, reluctantly because I do have a, a spinal cord injury. And... Uh, I was just going to point out that uh, the insurance company that this, this gentleman is, is going through is obviously using SSI's alertness test to prove the severity of his disability. This is a very poor litmus test because everybody uh, with a whooping cough and a hangnail can apply for benefits, which is completely wrong. Hmm. Um, but the system is designed for people that have paid into the system uh, over uh, a period of time, and they should be able to get back what they put into it without a doubt. Um, unfortunately, um, Social Security has turned into one huge governmental Ponzi scheme because uh, you can, you know, you can get into a car accident, say that uh, you got whiplash, and I need to start collecting benefits. Uh, it, it, that might be a far stretch, but uh, similar cases have uh, proven to uh, to happen. Um, so uh, I wouldn't, I would not, uh, if I was the insurance company, I definitely wouldn't uh, uh, pin all of my uh, uh, my decisions on whether or not uh, the claim should be pay- paid out simply because somebody jumps on the SSI bandwagon. Um, the second point that I would like to make is if this, if this gentleman does decide to take the handout, he is going to put himself and his family in a huge disadvantage because now they've got to make below a certain amount. Really? Now, if he, yeah. If he is the only breadwinner, then this won't really affect the, the, the family uh, completely if he says he was the only one bringing in income. Mm-hmm. But let's say he's married and has a wife, or, you know, married. He's, of course he's got a wife. He's got a wife. She's out on the workforce. She's got to take a pay cut just so he can get the benefits because you can only make a certain amount uh, before SSI wow. will completely cut you off completely. So, his, uh, so in order to get the insurance coverage, he has to apply for SSI, and if he's got people in his home that are also earning income, they will be factored in to whether or not he's accepted. That's correct. Huh. That really seems um, unfair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if the government, SSI right? turns you down because your wife makes more money than, uh, than the insurance company doesn't have to pay? 
you know, I don't know about his insurance company. I, mean, I don't either. That's a, that, that's that's something that he uh, he'd have to check with the insurance company. But yeah, if he takes that money, then yes, uh, basically it's not just affecting him; hmm. it's affecting anybody in the household that's bringing in income. So my alternative solution to this, you know, yes, ch- uh, looking at charities is a good uh, a good uh, way of you know getting the little assistance that you need. But I would also suggest maybe looking at some part time uh, online ventures. You know. Um, there's there's things that you, know, you can do online that will more than supplement the income uh, coming in, and it really shouldn't uh, hamper uh, his disability at all. You know, it, all it takes is him sitting down uh, at a keyboard for a couple hours a day. You know, maybe do some auctions on eBay. You know, or maybe participate hmm. in uh, uh, some marketing ventures. Uh, or you could do phone whoring. Bill, thanks for the call. Appreciate <laughs> the uh, the suggestions tonight and the uh, expertise and the experience. As we continue, Betty is on the line in North Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Betty. Uh, hello there, guys. Hi, Betty. What's on your mind? Yeah, I got the same situation that's happening. I called in about a month ago, and I got injured on the job. And I had to file for a Social Security disability. Well, I've been getting it now since 1999. Okay. And in and in 2001, after that is when I got your um, workman's compensation money because I got injured on the job. I got a, a lower back injury, mm-hmm. and I have a spinal cord stimulator in it. So they, the government, decided four years down the road that they that I owed them $8,000. Wait a minute. So they'd been paying out, and then they decided they made an error later on? Yeah. Yeah, because of me getting Bureau of Workman's Compensation for me being injured, they dinged me for it, so I had to pay back $8,000. Oh, boy. And I still owe them $6,000. And I just come up again now in front of the where I've been awarded permanent total disability. And once the government finds out about that again, they're going to ding me again. So, so they're going to take money away from your disability? The government, you know, takes away from you. Say that again, Mark. So they're going to take money away from the disability check that they're giving you when you're totally disabled in order to pay them back for a disability that you had? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Are you paying them interest on this as well? No. Thank well, goodness. That's okay, I guess. But uh, still, this is a, not an uncommon story, and I'm sorry it, it's happening to you, where the government, whether it be disability or FEMA, we've seen stories where the government will supposedly accidentally pay out too much to one of its recipients. They uh, realize their mistake later on down the line, and of course, by that time, the money's gone in many people's cases because they've got other debts they're paying off and other things that they're dealing with. Or they just wanted to buy a big plasma TV. And, you you know, then they have to pay. Then the the government demands that money back, and nobody's expecting that to happen. They could just let it go, but that's not how they are because they don't care. No, that's not the way they work. They they wait until they go down the road, and then they find out that that they've overpaid you. And then once you get, get overpaid... And then the money that you do get every month for being compensated, they take away from the check that you are getting. You're not really making that much money at all. Betty, I wish you good luck. I thank you for the call tonight. You know, when you're out at uh, at a restaurant and you order something and they bring you something extra, you know, something you didn't order, they don't come back five minutes later after you've started shoveling the mashed potatoes into your mouth and, uh, you know, slug you in the stomach to get you to spew it out so you can, you know... So they, they don't can charge their... you for it. Right. I mean, you know, it's it's essentially something that was delivered to you unless it was... They, they made a some mistake. Kind of fraud, but yeah. I mean... 
you know, when, biz- when business makes a mistake, they just eat the cost because that's good business. You make a mistake, you might let the customer know there's a chance you could get the product back or, or the customer is going to be helpful in that way, but you can't expect anything like that because it was your responsibility to ensure, as the business person, doing whatever it is the customer was asking for, it was your responsibility to make sure you were accurate in providing the service or the product that was being desired. If you gave too, uh, you know, too much change back or if you gave them the, the wrong product or gave them, for instance, a better model than what they purchased, you eat that. And, you know, that makes the customer feel good about your business, and they're more likely to tell other people and come back and buy something in the future. But the government doesn't have competition, so they don't need to work like no. that. No, the government doesn't care. They've got men with guns on their side, and if they decide they want money back out of you, then all, they have, do do is, they, all they have to do is demand it. And, the, and then if you don't pay, then they hurt you. So it's really sad, and I'm sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah, all that, these all these stories are. <laughs> yep, I'm sorry to hear that happen to anybody. Here's a quickie for you, since we're talking about governments and health-related things from the Times Online in the UK. Health service dentists have been forced to go on holiday or spend time on the golf course this month, despite millions of patients being denied dental care. Now, remember when we talked to old Corey Doctorow, the author, mm-hmm. and he was telling us just about how great things were in the socialized medicine system over there in the UK? I hear reports constantly of uh, you know, the contrary. Here's another one for you. Many have fulfilled their annual work quotas allotted by the National Health Service and have been turning patients away because because they are not paid to do extra work. This is despite the fact that more than 7 million people in Britain are unable to find a National Health Service dentist. 7 million people can't even get through the door at one of these government dentists. Cory Doctorow was out of town in Manchester, walked in, uh, got some service, bam, right out the door, whatever he claims. Yeah, so. he acts like, yeah, I was acting like it's always been great and it's great for everybody. And if you don't hear about these numbers, you don't hear the horror stories, you have, you have no idea. He's just gotten lucky so far. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sakel CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Wade. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. And if you like Free Talk Live and want to help support the show, then become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com. And send us three bucks a month via any major credit card or PayPal or one of our alternate options. We take that money and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations across the country and spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. We also outreach to Internet listeners as well, again, bringing new ears to the program. And if that sounds good, plus you want uh, perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, the chat room, forum, and more, go and get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. That's AMP. .freetalklive.com. So we are talking about the National Health Service, as it is called, over in Great Britain. Now, we've been told all manner of different things about this socialized medicine. It's, it's great, some, it sucks, and Some people say it's, it's awful, and we've certainly read plenty of horror stories about it, and we've heard people just glowing and talking about how wonderful it is. And, you know, maybe for some of those people, it is good. Maybe they do get good attention from people that really care. I believe that. I, don't, I have no reason to disbelieve people like Cory Doctorow when they make those claims. But it doesn't 
in any way, if the service is good, it doesn't in any way justify stealing from your neighbor in order to pay for this service that you like so much. And that's what the heart and the root of socialized medicine is. It's everyone is forced to pay. You know what really kills me is I've, talked, I've heard a lot of people from Canada on one hand, uh, one side of their mouth, they're talking about how great it is because that's what they've been indoctrinated in the schools. How great that's their right. whole life, how great their healthcare system is. But then they complain like crazy out of the other side of their mouth how terrible it is and how they have to wait two or three months to see the doctor. Well, now, usually, though, it's the older people that complain more because the younger people are very, very healthy, and so they don't really sure. know. Sure, you don't. Like. Uh, from, they're fresh from the, out of school. From the ages yes. of 7 to 55 or so, you're not going to the doctor. So having free Especially medical service, free medical service sitting there um, in case you get hit by a bus or struck by a meteor or something like that is fantastic. So here is another story, as we're talking about here. The National Health Service dentists, dental service in mm-hmm. Great Britain is... Everybody needs that. ...is nationalized. And uh, they're forcing their dentists to go on holiday or spend time on the golf course because they filled their work quotas. And they're not allowed to continue doing extra work on top of uh, filling out their quota. As a result of that, it's one of the reasons, at least, why 7 million people in Great Britain are unable to find a National Health Service dentist to attend. So they're paying. There's a lot of people with wooden teeth in Great Britain. Yeah, well, they tear their own teeth out in some cases. And these are people who are paying every single paycheck money into this system who are left out in the cold, unable to actually find anybody to give them service. It's because their money's going into a big uh, pool, big rat hole. Right, and all of the people that manage to get service, they happen to already have the doctors. They can go and get their service, but everybody that's out on the street trying to get in, they just they can't even find a free doctor because the government system doesn't respond to supply and demand. It doesn't have market signals it responds to because it gets the same amount of money regardless of the satisfaction level of the customers. There's no uh, government bureaucracy that cares that there are 7 million people. I mean, they might care, but they don't have the incentive to do anything about those 7 million people out Not there. Not to mention when it comes to the drugs, um, the drug manufacturers put up, you know, just a tremendous amount of money into developing a drug because, you know, there, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of uh, avenues that they try that don't make it past the first or second or third tier of testing that they do themselves before they even start to bring it to the FDA or anything like that. It's an ex- it's an extraordinarily expensive process, and. You know, obviously the drugs are much more expensive here in the United States, and I just don't think that we'd be supporting, uh, the world would be able to support, if everybody is socialized, the world would be able to support these drugs being manufactured. I think that you see a slowdown to to, to slow down to a stop in the uh, area of pharmacology. (laughs) If the government's doing research, they they won't know where to invest. They don't have any idea what to do with their money. They're a bunch of bureaucrats making arbitrary decisions. Yeah, and the FDA is a monopoly, too. It's a coercive monopoly. It forces people to use drugs when they, maybe that's not the optimal solution, and they're very mm. expensive. But the, the biggest Because problem, that's, that benefits their clients. Yes, exactly. And, and the problem here, too, is do you want the government deciding, um, you know, if you get health care or not? Do you who want, lives and who dies. And who lives and who dies. That's a eugenics tool to me. That's what exactly what they do. But in this case, we're just talking about teeth. So we're talking about whose teeth gets uh, taken care of and whose doesn't. But you can die if, if you... It's true. Yeah. It's true. Patients, uh, they've been told they must either pay privately or return in April when the new work year begins. People suffering from toothaches have been advised to go to the hospital. 
Uh, several areas have been affected, and the secretary of the local dental committee estimates that up to a third of dentists in the West Midlands have run out of work or have had to reduce the number of NHS patients that they treat. Patients in pain have had to shop around to find a dentist that has not used up their quota. The British Dental Association fears that other dentists have been unable to meet their quotas and will be forced to pay back thousands of pounds to the National Health Service. So apparently if you don't meet your quota, then you owe the government. And the health department says dentists should have managed their workload throughout the year. So instead of uh, you know bulking up and helping as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, they should have just denied a bunch of people and spread it out across the entire year. That's what they're saying. So private dental insurance is available in the U.K., but it's just like with private schools here in America, where if you want to go and get private dental insurance, you have to pay above and beyond the amount that you're already paying the government in taxes for their government system. I think you're more incentivized um, because the people that hold the purse strings, in that case, if the family, uh, if, if I, I am the breadwinner, if my tooth hurts, I am going to get private dental insurance. I'm going to go see a private dentist. I'm going to get my stuff fixed. Sure you are, Whereas, but you can afford that. If I'm a, you know, if if it's my child and I'm sending them to school, I figure I, I'm not really there. You know, kids like school. They don't like school. They don't have the uh, the language to say, look, that this, the the language or the perspective to say this school compa- stinks compared to a private school or whatever. So there's you're more removed from the school equation. Uh, the, the buyer is more removed from the school equation than uh, in the tooth situation. Okay, I understand where you're coming from, uh, Mark, but the people that were, a lot of these people we're talking about don't have the kind of disposable income that you may have. They may live sure. in an inner city. They may be very, very. Well, I'm not living... saying, I'm just saying that they're closer to, they're, they're closer to the buying, um, you know, scenario. I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't or anything like that. I don't know. I mean, doesn't it stink that you're being robbed to pay for uh, your yeah. tooth care and then you can't you get can't your get darn it. tooth care and then you right. have to go pay for your tooth care again? Right. That does suck, but that's what is happening to people. And many of these people are so poor. Uh, you know, they're living hand to mouth, uh, paycheck to paycheck, because they're being taxed so in, in, incredibly large amount. They're paying uh, through these taxes. They just don't have a lot left in order to go and buy those things above and beyond the the amount they're taxed for. And they probably feel like they're owed uh, these services. I mean, they're paying for them, so they have probably an entitlement mentality about the fact that they should be able to get them. But unfortunately, seven million people in Great Britain are out in the cold. They aren't able to find a National Health Service dentist. Now, it doesn't say how many of those seven million opt to go with private services but that is the amount of people that that they say can't even find a dentist Mm. so how is it somebody could look at a socialist medicine system hear a story like that and say well that's okay insanity this is good you know well at least the people that are getting served are getting it free but they're not they're paying for it through their paychecks and how you could look at that story and just blow it off, I don't understand. I think that the people that lo- love socialized medicine just don't want to hear stuff like this. They don't believe that it could be true because they've had good experiences and they might know people that have had good experiences, but clearly they don't know everybody. Yeah, I can't take away from the good experiences that somebody had. I, I can't say, no, it didn't happen. I wouldn't say that. But the numbers, they don't, they don't lie. I, I, you know, what, are the, what are these st- news stories just not true? Am, am, are we, this is from the U.K. Are, are we believing a bunch of crap that's just not so here? I it, mean, what, what, Time's what, online. What am I supposed to do with this? And by the way, for any new listeners, we're not trying to say that the American system is the greatest thing no, in the world either. No, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, because sometimes people will take it, they'll, they'll get into the polarity thing, you know, and, and, and we don't want to play into that. Uh, we're, tr- we're saying that a free market medical system is the optimal. Not We have a cartelized, corporatized uh, medical system in this country, and it is very expensive, although it does provide better care it, for, for a lot of people, not everybody either. 
It's better than socialized medicine, but it's yes. not as good as it could be. We are um, in this country. The med- uh, medical system is mostly socialized in that the dollars that are floating around out there in the medical realm are, for the most part, spent by governments. So over 50% least, of yeah. medical dollars are spent by governments, meaning that there's all kinds of bureaucratic red tape and strings attached to that money mm-hmm. that these doctors have to jump through in order to get uh, in order to get their payment. In many cases, the payment actually doesn't pay for the costs of the technologies that they're using to uh, to do those things. So they actually have to raise the price of the cash prices for people that don't have the uh, the insurance coverage in order to make make up some of the difference. Right. We also you also have certain cartels that that weasel their have weaseled their way in between the, the doctor and the patient who steal most of the money. And when we had a more doctor-patient free market system before the 60s, uh, medical care was a lot less expensive and it was a doctor-patient right. relationship. There are still apparently some doctors that do not accept insurance and they do not accept Medicare or any of those government programs, and they are able to do uh, health care at relatively inexpensive rates. Same with those clinics at Walmart. The walk-ins, yeah, yes, the quickie the clinics. Also, and they list their prices, and it's just like a menu at a restaurant. You can pick what you want, <laughs> what you want done to you. And of course, the big objection is, well, what about the poor? Well, what about the seven million people in Great Britain that can't find a flipping government dentist? I bet you there. Uh, you know, it seems to me it's likely those people are, rather, are poor rather than rich. Yeah, and in the marketplace, since things are cheaper when you bring in competition and free market environment, people have more money in their pocket with which to give to charity wings of hospitals to help the poor people. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney, finalized a contract in London, and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code, 600, to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live, and we're launching here in hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. Enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right to your phone calls across the pond to the U.K. We talk to Ziggy. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hello, Ziggy. Hey, oh, it sounds like you're talking through a pillow like 50 miles away. I don't Just know. Just barely hear you, Ziggy. What the... Yeah, oh, there's a, Ooh, some problems happened. there. Let's put him back on hold and see, see if, if we can, can work that out. Iron out those problems. Uh, sometimes those long-distance connections are questionable. Anyway, here's a, a story that absolutely needs to be told. Well, we'll get to that. But first, Mark, you want to tell us about the Bigfoot. Yeah, well, they found Bigfoot. You know where he is? Uh, no, where? Georgia. Okay. <laughs> and he's in, a, in some redneck's freezer. Um, For real? <laughs> that's... Hey, look, it's from World Net Daily. 
Hunters in North Georgia claim they found a Bigfoot carcass. They stored it in a freezer and promised to release telling photographs and DNA evidence of the legendary creature. Matthew hmm. Witten and uh, Rick Dreyer plan to fly to Palo Alto, California, unveil the proof of their discovery at a noon pre- press conference on Friday. I'm Why waiting. not unveil it in Georgia? Why do we have to fl- fly out to... California for this. Um, because of the Cabana Hotel. Uh, it's okay. Apparently, that's where they're going to be doing it. Uh, according to a report by Searching for Bigfoot Incorporated, the event will be open to members of the news media only. Hmm. Hmm. Um, well, we you don't want all the crazy Bigfoot people in there. Uh, why not? Trouble. Sell them crazy Bigfoot stuff. Sell, here's a photograph signed by the two guys who found it. Witten is a Clayton County, Georgia police officer who is, was on administrative leave, recovering from an injury he received while pursuing a suspect. Dyer was previously a correctional officer. The two men own Bigfoot Global LLC. Isn't it odd that two guys that own Bigfoot Global LLC, in fact, found Bigfoot? Well, I mean, they're the ones that are out looking, right? I guess so. A business that sells Bigfoot <laughs> expeditions. I thought you were the one that was supposed to be the critic, Mark. You were I, supposed to be critical. I'm just this. saying, you know. Or weren't I, supposed to be critical. I'm I was not saying there haven't been some Bigfoot hoaxes yeah. in the past. I, 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 I don't know about all this. I don't know. I don't know about it all either. I, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of there. I really like the idea of there being a North American ape. I totally do. I'm just suspect of some of this stuff. And just, I, I really don't trust these two guys. Witten and Dyer... Cl- When's um, the press conference? It's Friday. Okay. Tomorrow. So tomorrow. Gotcha. Tomorrow at noon. We're waiting. I'm waiting. Uh, Witten and Dyer are collaborating with uh, Tom Biscardi of Searching for Bigfoot Incorporated to study the evidence according to the report. The hunters originally announced their find on Sasquatch... Squatch, Squatch Detective, an internet radio show hosted by Steve Culls. Dyer uh, declined to allow a representative of the show to confirm the story, but he said that he would allow only one person to view the evidence. See, this is... What? It's, it's I that. thought they were going to let the whole press well, in there. I think that was that at the time. The only person we would allow to come down and verify the body was the real Bigfoot hunter, Tom Biscardi, and himself, Dyer said. The website claims a team of scientists, including a molecular biologist, an anthropologist, a paleontologist, will perform scientific studies on the creature in the <laughs> upcoming months and document their findings. The study will be filmed by Scott Davis, the independent producer. This is pretty, I mean, if this is for real, it's pretty big, it, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's a, even if it's a hoax, it's a big claim. Damn like convincing-looking Mummy, right. uh, monkey in that freezer. Oh, they've actually got a photo of uh, it? Yep, yep, there's a, a photo. I'm not sure what these things are, but I don't like them much. If, if this is a hoax, this is a big hoax. It is normally, a big hoax, yes. Normally with the Bigfoot, it's just some guy in the woods taking a blurry photo of a you know, man in an mm-hmm. ape suit or something like that. And so, uh, well, these, these uh, or tracks. humble gentlemen uh, named the body Rick Matt. A combination of their own first names. <laughs> the Searching for Bigfoot website offered the following vital statistics on the body. Are you ready? It's said yeah. to weigh more than 500 pounds. The My gosh, that's big. P- the creature appears to be part human and part ape. It's male. It has reddish hair with blackish gray eyes. It has two arms, two legs, five fingers on each hand, five toes on each foot. The feet are flat and similar to human feet. Its footprint is 16 and three-quarter inches long with five and three-quarter huh. inches wide at the heel. It must I don't know what he long. wears, but he doesn't wear much. He doesn't wear a shoe that I'm familiar with. From Big the, things don't live a long time. Yeah, Except for elephants. That's a good point. Turtles. Um, from the pl- palm of the hand to the uh, middle finger, things are uh, the, the hands are 11 and three-quarter inches long and six and three and a quarter inches wide. The creature walked upright. Several are said to have been sighted in the day the body was found. 
bunch Wait. of several. There's more a, than one. A bunch of Bigfoot monkeys in Georgia. Wait, that's my cousin Floyd. <laughs> the, the, the teeth are more human-like. Did they than find a banjo with it? <laughs> Time will tell if the discovery is real, according to uh, LiveScience.com on August the nineteenth, two thousand five. It could have been that kid from Deliverance. You remember him? Biscardi appeared. Teeth? Yeah, he wasn't in Georgia. A Biscardi appeared. They filmed that in Georgia, didn't they? I thought that it was in. Kentucky? I believe they filmed Deliverance in Georgia. I could be mistaken. Okay, you'd know better than me. You're the See, film. I'm not going to perk up until you have a story about dead aliens or something. Hey, look, this is a, a aliens are, are a bunch of a big hoax. However, this monkey. Could Come be on. real. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Biscardi appeared on the Coast to Coast uh, radio show uh, with George Norrie, claiming his group had captured a Bigfoot a week earlier uh, the, in 2005. A male beast that weighed over 400 pounds and stood eight feet tall. He said he would present his photos of Bigfoot in 2005. It turned out to be a hoax, the website said. All right. Uh, Deliverance was filmed all over the place. Uh, South Carolina and Georgia. But pretty much South Carolina. North I don't know Carolina, why it Georgia. is, but it's people from Florida. Every every state has its other state that it uh, it, wa- it wants to poke fun at, and I don't know why it is. But uh, Florida's state is Georgia. Is and, that right? Yeah, that's. Uh, that's I never heard any of that when I was it, in Florida. It's it's mostly the Bulldogs uh, Gators rivalry. I think maybe it's a Northern Florida thing because I don't. I was never aware of any of that. Yeah, well. So, you know, the simple fact that it comes out of Georgia, maybe that's what makes me suspect. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you, for Illinois, it's Indiana. Yeah, this is big, man. I mean, I hope you'll keep your eyes on this, Mark. Not because I'm, I uh, think it's going to be earth-shattering or anything, but th- maybe this is for real. And if so, then good for them. It's a, it's a real-looking picture. It'll be a real in-your-face uh, thing for a lot of the critics of the, uh, the Bigfoot, which, of which, you know, I've been somewhat interested, but pretty darn skeptical. So I'm still skeptical here, but I, uh, this is going to be tough to... I mean, if they've really got a body, then how are they going to fake that one? You can't really fake that. Well, they'll do an autopsy. Right. Can, yeah. I mean, it's, you can't. I mean, you can. You can have a mannequin and stuff, but that's not going to pass an autopsy. No, somebody so. can take the the costume off the mannequin. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it, they're gonna. I guess they're gonna do it. I yeah, don't know. We'll find out unless they just disappear tomorrow, and who knows? We'll see what happens. Do you Mark, really believe keep that, us in the loop? Do you really believe that every single species of anything is is known to man on this earth? No, I absolutely mean, not. They're yeah. always uncovering new things. Of course, the newer things I they're think uncovering we know are small. Like right. I think we know most stuff. of the big stuff. Right. The big stuff that walks on the land, especially. But I don't know. Yeah, I think it's. It, it's possible. It's certainly possible. It excites me. I like the idea. I really want there to be a a, a, a Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Yeti or whatever it is, um, and, and and so I'm for it. And I keep an eye out for these things. I'm very interested. Even if they're hoaxes, I still like them. Well, I've seen some football players who could pass for Sasquatch. Hopefully, they uh, these uh, if there are more of these things and they are real, as these people claim that they are, uh, hopefully they won't run into the Immigrations and Customs Enforcement Department because they'll inevitably have a lot of questions for them and they could uh, really hurt them because that's what they do to people. They take them away from their families and they hurt them. Uh, so let me give you a, a story here from the New York Times. This is one of those stories that everybody should hear. It's just that sick. He was 17 when he came to New York from Hong Kong in 1992 with his parents and younger sister eyeing the skyline like any newcomer. Fifteen years later, Hugh Lee, Hugh Lee Ning, his last name is spelled N-G. Ng? Ning. <laughs> it's Ning. Yeah. Ning. Anyway, he was a New, New Yorker, a computer engineer with a job in the Empire State Building, a house in Queens, and a wife who's a United States citizen and two American-born sons. But when Mr. Ning, who had overstayed a visa years earlier, went to immigration headquarters in Manhattan last summer for his final interview for a green card, he was swept into immigration detention 
and shuttled through jails and detention centers in three New England states. Oh, God. In April, Mr. Ning began complaining of excruciating back pain. By mid-July, he could no longer walk or stand. And last Wednesday, two days after his 34th birthday, he died in the custody of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. In a Rhode Island hospital, his spine fractured and his body riddled with cancer that had gone undiagnosed and untreated for months. Mm. On Tuesday, with an autopsy by the Rhode Island Medical Examiner underway, his lawyers demanded a criminal investigation in a letter to federal and state prosecutors in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Vermont, and the Department of Homeland Security, which runs the detention system. Mr. Ning's death follows a succession of cases that have drawn congressional scrutiny to complaints of inadequate medical care, human rights violations, and a lack of oversight. That's all. That's what we need to solve this problem. Just more More bureaucrats. damn oversight. Uh, you know, we're going to give you the rest of this story here because you've barely begun to understand what happened to Mr. Ning. You've only got the basics so far. We'll give you the details here in moments. And boy, is it sick. Anybody that could possibly support a system like this, they should have their head examined. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Features on the site are free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. All right. So we're talking about a story from the New York Times where a man named Mr. Ning... Hugh Lui Ning, he was a New Yorker, he moved in 1992, job in the Empire State Building, uh, but apparently there was a uh, an immigration snafu, paperwork uh, snafu of some sort that resulted in him being swept up by ICE, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, when he actually uh, went to, I guess he went for an, a final interview for his green card, that was when they grabbed him. And they took him into their custody. Then, two days after his 34th birthday, he died as a result of a uh, fractured spine, and his body was riddled with cancer. Well, what's the the detail? What's the rest of the story here? Because there have been a succession of cases that have drawn uh, scrutiny to these sort of medical care complaints, human rights violations, and this rapidly growing network of publicly and privately run jails where the government held more than 300,000 people in the last year while deciding whether to deport them. In federal court affidavits, Mr. Ning's lawyers contend that when he complained of severe pain that didn't respond to analgesics and grew too weak to walk or even stand to call his family from a detention payphone, officials accused him of faking his condition. I'm sure that there, I know there are people that fake, um, you know, medical for medical reasons. They fake, you know, they fake medical uh, conditions in order to, you know, get different treatment. And uh, they denied him a wheelchair and refused pleas for an independent medical evaluation. Instead of the affidavits say, guards at the Donald Wyatt Detention Facility in Central Falls dragged him from his bed on July 30th, carried him in shackles to a car, bruising his arms and legs, and drove him two hours to a federal lockup in Hartford, Connecticut, where an immigration officer pressured him to withdraw all pending appeals of his case and accept deportation. For this desperately sick, vulnerable person, this was torture, said one of Mr. Ning's lawyers, adding they want to see a videotape of the transport made by the guards. Immigration and detention officials would not discuss the case, saying the matter was under internal investigation. 
But in response to the relative of Mr. Nings, who had begged that he be checked for a spinal injury or fractures, the Wyatt Detention Center's director of nursing replied in an email message that Mr. Ning was receiving appropriate care for chronic back pain. He added, we treat each and every detainee in our custody with the same high level of quality, professional care possible. That's why he's dead. Officials have given no explanation as to why they took Mr. Ning to Hartford and back on the same day, but the lawyers say the grueling July 30th trip appeared to be an effort to prove that Mr. Ning was faking illness and possibly to thwart the habeas corpus petition that they'd filed in Rhode Island the day before, seeking his release for medical treatment. The federal judge who heard that petition on July 31st didn't make a ruling, but in an unusual move insisted that Mr. Ning get the care he needed. On August 1st, Mr. Ning was taken to a hospital where doctors found he had terminal cancer and a fractured spine. He died five days later. Just couldn't take him to the hospital. Too, too much trouble. He's faking it. Get, we're not giving you a wheelchair. You're just acting like you can't stand up. The accounts of his treatment echo other cases that have prompted legislation now before the House Judiciary Committee to set mandatory standards for care and immigration detention. You see, the the solution is never to reduce the government. It's always to bring new rules and regulations into effect, hire new bureaucrats to oversee the various different departments, and, you know, of course, spend more taxpayer dollars. Because no one would ever suggest that people stop being swept off the streets in immigration roundups. No one would ever suggest to think to suggest that... In a free country, people should be able to cross imaginary lines in the sand on so-called public property freely. No one is suggesting that. The suggestion is, well, our immigration uh, laws are just fine. We just need uh, more compassion. That's all. We just need more bureaucrats with compassion. And I'm sorry, that's not going to The system to doesn't breed compassion. It no. breeds complacency. Yep, and the people that, uh, that abuse others inside the system, the sickos, the sadists, very, very rarely have any sort of personal price to pay for the damage that they do to other people's and lives and And the fact is there are guys that uh, you know, fake their illnesses, so then you've, you're, you're basically asking these correctional officers who have no training in the area to uh, try to figure out whether somebody's faking it or not, and it's nuts. In March, the federal government admitted medical negligence in the death of Francisco Castro. Castaneda, age 36, from Salvador, whose cancer went undiagnosed in a California detention center as he was repeatedly denied a biopsy on a painful penile lesion. In May, the New York (laughs) Times chronicled the death of Babaka Ba, age 52, from Guinea, who... Uh, suffered, a, suffered a skull flat fracture and brain hemorrhages in the Elizabeth Detention Center in New Jersey. Records show he was left in an isolation cell without treatment for more than 13 hours. When Mr. Ning died last week, he had spent half of his life in the United States, his sister Wendy Zhao said in a tearful interview. Born in China, he entered the United States legally on a tourist visa. Mr. Ning stayed after it expired and applied for political asylum. It was granted a work permit while his application was pending. And though asylum was eventually denied, immigration authorities did not seek his deportation for many years. Meanwhile, his sister said Mr. Ning, who is actually pronounced Eng, they tell me halfway through the article, who was known as Jason, graduated from high school in Long Island City, Queens, worked his way through Community Technical College, passed Microsoft training courses, and won a contract to provide computer services to a company with offices in the Empire State Building. Quite a wonderful, uh, successful life for a man that came from... American success story. Yeah, uh, from China. In 2001, a notice ordering him to appear in immigration court was mistakenly sent to a non-existent address show records. So, Mark, you can probably relate to this to some extent. They didn't come and throw you in the the paddy wagon, but they did send some notices to you, the government people here in New Hampshire, at the wrong address. Uh, Yeah, actually, they were sending old notices. They, They just had bad information, yeah. 
which happens quite frequently with these government bureaucracies. They when, don't have any incentive not to. Right. They have bad information in their computer, whether it's because you know somebody made an honest mistake and just forgot to update the file, or they put the wrong address in, or transposed some numbers, or whatever it is that happens. Humans make mistakes, but the thing is, when the government makes mistakes, there are lives that are put on the line. If a government bureaucrat, some clerical data entry bureaucrat, make uh, messes up and the... Uh, the demand is sent to the wrong address. The person that it was intended to uh, receive it never actually receives it. The government doesn't care. If the guy comes in later on and says, well, I never got that, the government says, well, that's no excuse. Absolutely. That's what they say here in New Hampshire. Look, <laughs> you're supposed to go down to the, the town hall, and you're supposed to know when the taxes are due. You're supposed to do this stuff. It's your responsibility to take care of that. They absolutely tell you that. At least with taxes, you know that they come every year or every other year or something like that, right. or, you know, biannually or semiannually or whatever. So you would have, you know, you could think, I, I knew that I would have to pay taxes at one point or another on my property. I chose not to go down to the town hall. I figured if they hadn't sent me a, a notice, I don't feel like paying it. I wanted a little trouble. Mr. Ning had no damn idea. Yep. Well, when Mr. Uh, Eng did not show up at the hearing, the judge ordered him deported. By then, however, he was getting married and on a separate track. His wife petitioned Citizenship and Immigration Services for a green card for him, a process that took more than five years. Heeding bad legal advice, the couple showed up for his green card interview on July 19, 2007. Again, Mr. Eng thought he was playing by the rules. He thought that everything was okay. He was in this process to get the green card. There's a hearing. He's showing up. He's obviously not trying to run or something like that. He was in no way aware that the system had uh, wanted him deported. And that's when they snatched him up. They found uh, enforcement agents waiting to arrest Mr. Eng on the old deportation order. 800-259-9231. More to Mr. Eng's story. We'll share it with you here in moments, and you can dial in and talk about whatever's on your mind at 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system, over 375,000 posts, lots to talk about, fun stuff, serious issues. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com, so get interactive, bbs.freetalklive.com. Hey, there's a new online store featuring whimsical decorative knobs and poles, and it's open for business, funknobs.com. It's catered toward consumers looking to give their playroom or kids' room or bathroom, maybe even the kitchen, a unique and fun flair. Toll-free phone customer service is available at 1-877-820-9224. That's 877-820-9224. Funknobs.com is the creation of parent company Internobs.com, online since 2004. That's Funknobs.com. As we continue the story about a man named Mr. Eng, he had moved in 1992 to America and went through uh, the process of becoming an American citizen. And during that process, he'd applied for, uh, for asylum. And a, a 2000, in 2001, a notice ordering him to appear in immigration court was mistakenly sent through, due to a bureaucratic snafu, a uh, non-existent address. As a result, uh, Mr. Eng didn't know that the form was sent to him. 
that the order was sent to him. He did not show at the hearing, and the judge ordered him deported. And in that, in the meantime, between 2001 and today, he started going through a green card process with his wife, who is a U.S. citizen, and he believed that he was A-OK in that process. It Why was wouldn't a, he? a lengthy process that took five years, and so when they went to, uh, to an interview for the green card on the 19th, there were enforcement agents waiting for him, and they arrested him. Then... When he was in the custody of these government bureaucrats, he complained about back pain, and they didn't take him seriously. They thought he was faking. They you know, wouldn't even give this man a wheelchair because they believed he was lying to them, which this is just the way these bureaucrats are. They're, they're surly. They're angry. They, uh, they hate their jobs, and they're just, they don't care about people. So they treated this man with such disrespect, he ended up dying as a result of being, his body was, as they described it, riddled with cancer, and he had a fractured spine. By the time he passed away a few days ago. And so this is the rest of his story. Over the next year, after Mr. Eng was arrested, while his family struggled to pay for new lawyers to wage a complicated and expensive legal battle... It's so expensive. Mr. Nang, or Eng was held in jails under contract to the federal immigration authorities uh, from Massachusetts to Vermont. Mr. Eng seemed healthy until April, his sister said, when he began to complain of severe back pain and skin so itchy he couldn't sleep. He was then taken. Or he was then in the Vermont jail, a 20-bed detention center with no medical staff run by the county sheriff's office. Seeking care, he asked to be transferred back to Wyatt in Massachusetts, a 700-bed center with its own medical staff owned and operated by a municipal corporation. In a letter to his sister, Mr. Eng recounted arriving there on July 3rd, spending the first three days in pain in a dark isolation cell. Later, he was assigned an upper bunk and required to climb up and down at least three times a day for head counts, causing terrible pain. His brother-in-law, Bi Zhao, appealed for help in email messages to the warden, Wayne Salisbury, on July 11th and 16th. Zhao wrote Mr. Salisbury after a visit, saying, I was really heartbroken when I first saw him. After almost two weeks of suffering with unbearable back pain and unable to get any sleep, he was so weak and looked horrible. The nursing director replied that Mr. Eng had been granted a bottom bunk and was receiving painkillers and muscle relaxants as prescribed by a detention center doctor. But his condition continued to deteriorate. Once a robust man who stood nearly six feet and weighed 200 pounds, his relative said, Mr. Eng had become looking like a shrunken and jaundiced 80-year-old. He said, I told the nursing department I'm in pain, but they don't believe me, said his sister. They tell me, stop faking. Soon, according to court papers, he had to rely on other detainees to help him reach the toilet, bring him food, and call his family. Can you imagine... You have to ask other convicts to help you onto the toilet. Yeah. I mean, I know that I know that the men in in prison absolutely would do this. They're just right. you know, I mean, there's enough of them there that are good guys that they These aren't even cons. These are people being detained for detention processes. They're convicts. You know, I mean, I, I understand they're not convicted. Look, I understand what you're saying, but they're prisoners. Yes, that is true. And, and so they were the ones that were compassionate and helpful while the government bureaucrats could have given given a flip. Anyway, on uh, to, to July 26, Andy Wong, or excuse me, he could not, by the way, stand in line to collect the painkillers, so he no longer received them. On July 26, God. Andy Wong, a lawyer associated with Mr. Cox, came to see the detainee but had to leave without talking to him because Mr. N- Mr. Eng was too weak to walk to the visiting area and they denied him a wheelchair. So as a result, he could not come see his lawyer. They would not allow his lawyer to see him. 
On July 30th, according to an affidavit by Mr. Wong, he was contacted by Larry Smith, the deportation officer in Hartford, who told him on a speakerphone with Mr. Eng present that he wanted to resolve the case either by deporting Mr. Eng or releasing him to the streets. Officer Smith said that no exam by an outside doctor would be allowed and that Mr. Eng would not be given a wheelchair. Mr. Eng told his lawyer he was ready to give up, the affidavit said, because he could no longer withstand the suffering inside the facility. But Officer Smith insisted that Mr. Eng would first have to withdraw all of his appeals. The account of his treatment clearly disturbed the federal judge, William Smith, of the United States District Court in Providence, who instructed the government's lawyer the next day to have the warden get Mr. Eng to the hospital for an MRI. The results were grim. Cancer in his liver, lungs and bones, and a fractured spine. I don't have much time to live, his sister said, or he told her in a call from Rhode Island's hospital in Providence. She said the doctor warned that if the uh, the family came to visit, immigration authorities might transfer her brother. Three days passed before the warden approved a family visit, she said, after demanding their social security numbers. Late in the afternoon of August 5th, as Mr. Eng lay on a gurney, hours away from death and still under guard, she and his wife held up his sons, three and one. Mm. Brother, don't worry, don't be afraid, Ms. Zhao said, repeating her last words to him. They are not going to send you back to the facility again. Brother, you are free now. And he's dead. Because bureaucrats don't care. Sure, I know some of the doctors might care, they might really care, but the bureaucrats were, that were supposed to take them to the doctors, they didn't care. Well, they're incentivized uh, to not, not to care. That's right. They're incentiv- con- incentivized in a contrary fashion. They're not incentivized to care about And they this don't guy. see them as human beings. Uh, for whatever reason... They can't. Right. From, from their point of view, the job that they have to do in this country where we incarcerate more people than any other, uh, than any other country on the planet has ever done... In in this country, you, you just you can't you can't do that job and see those people as a human as you are. Yep, they see them as criminals. They see them as deserving. I'll this tell you, treatment. I had a conversation with a correctional officer walking up to uh, you know every night I had to go up to this uh, A building or whatever to do my job, and she was read a Reader's Digest article where these guys and she was essentially broad you know broad stroking uh, all the convicts that they were born genetically different now really? maybe you're talking about Jeffrey Dahmer maybe you're talking about some really sick people maybe they are genetically yeah. different or something like that I don't know I don't propose to know I, I didn't read the article or anything like that but you're telling me the the 10,000 convicts that have gone through this prison since I've been here don't have a choice in the crimes that they commit? No, ma'am. Ludicrous. No. I, I I don't I don't accept that for my life. Thank you very much. I am not genetically different than you. You stinking dumb redneck. It's just uh just in a story that they can tell themselves to make themselves feel better about what they're doing. If they yeah. if they can view the the people in these systems, whether they be in the jails of America or the detention centers, the immigration detention centers, if they can view them as less than human or deserving of the treatment to the punishment that they're getting because they broke the law, these people are illegal. Well, it's, it's just another war, whether it's the war on immigration, the war on crime, the war on drugs, any right. kind of a war that you always demonize the enemy. Yeah, you dehumanize and demonize the enemy. So that's what's going on here, and you're seeing stories as they come out over time about what the ramifications are of this. I mean, it's tragic enough that 300,000 people last year alone were put into these detention centers. That's pretty tragic as it is, those people being separated from their families, they're having their lives destroyed and ruined, and 
but it, it's never that. I mean, that's never the extent of the awfulness that is this system. Mr. Eng's story and the people like him that have been put into these systems and suffered greatly at the hands of these bureaucrats with which and, and to which, of course, no one is going to be held responsible. None of these people that de- denied this man medical care or even a wheelchair to go see his lawyer or his family, none of these people will be held responsible. At the worst, they'll get a, a little tongue lashing and they'll be told, you'll be, back, be nice next time. If that even happens, which I wouldn't expect will go that out. To. That's all a memo. Yeah, a memo. Exactly. 800-259-9231. And by the way, if you pay federal taxes, you're paying for all of this. So I must ask why you continue, if you are as disturbed by the stories like this as I am, why it is that you continue to be an active participant in funding violence against other human beings like this. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want, even in these remaining moments. Just enough time for your call, if you make it now, at 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. It's 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, and if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then you can go to promote.freetalklive.com to learn all the various different free and very, very low-cost ways to help Get Free Talk Live into more ears. Go to promote.freetalklive.com and help us out a bit. All right, so the number here, 800-259-9231. Quick update on the Service Nation situation. As we discussed for well over a week on this program, this organization called Service Nation is out there, a coalition, as they describe themselves, of more than 100 organizations. They're looking to promote the idea of national service. Now, through various different conversations with some of the uh, people that are involved in Service Nation, including Target, one of the big sponsors of Service Nation, Target, the Department store target uh, with their with our conversations with them and uh, blogofbile.com also doing some uh, research into this we've discovered that these people are now taking a very firm position that they do only they only support voluntary national service in that they uh, they do not want to coerce or so they claim they do not support legislation that will force people to participate in the national service idea. And if that's true, then that's good, but it's still not great, because the idea of national service is to create more government make-work volunteer programs mm-hmm. instead of real charitable organizations, like you, talk, you talked about earlier, the Salvation Army or the soup kitchen in your area, these real charitable organizations that are in demand by the marketplace, that, that are actually feeding into market demand, as opposed to arbitrary bureaucratic voluntary organizations like the AmeriCorps or whatever, which, by the way, there's not real volunteer because they pay you. It's part of central planning. What's that now? It's really another form of central planning, really. What is? Well, this what you're describing, because what they're doing is they're imposing right. what they think the market wants rather than listening to the market wants. Right, and that's what Service Nation supports. So even though they say they don't support coercive national service, still the entire idea of national service is icky to those of us that support the free marketplace. Because, again, it's supplanting charity with government so-called charity with government volunteer opportunities, mm-hmm. and those decisions are going to be made arbitrarily and by bureaucrats who don't really know what the market is looking for. But look at all the jobs it's going to create, Ian. But they're not real. I mean, they're not. They're not. They're going to pay because, people, but they're not. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's the marketplace isn't paying uh, what it want. What what a job's worth. Right. If, for instance, I can go out in my front yard and I can work really hard digging a hole, but 
just because I've done work doesn't mean I deserve to be compensated it compensated for it. It you know somebody needs to need that work and they need to be willing to pay whatever it's worth. Sure. What, what are we going to produce to put in containers? Those empty containers that come from China with all the flat screen TVs have to go back empty, or they recycle them now into houses because there's so many empty ones and we can't uh, produce enough here to uh, ship back to them in exchange for for their goods. So we still need to be paying attention to this organization, Service Nation, and what they're doing. They are planning on a national summit of some sort on September 11th. And there are going to be, uh, they've, I guess they've confirmed that John McCain will be attending. Barack Obama has been invited. So they're pointing this, uh, they're, pr- they're promoting this as being a so-called bipartisan effort. And if politicians are getting behind this idea, then you really should start to get scared. Because if people like John McCain or Barack Obama are getting all excited about this idea of national service, it, it does not bode well for the uh, non, so-called non-coercive aspect that these people are trying to promote. Because down the line, there are organizations within Service Nation that we've caught them admitting on their websites. Uh, the Americans for National Service Act is one of them, where they were admitting at one time, and they're now, they're now trying to scurrying, trying to cover it up and retract it, that their ultimate goal is universal national service, which means that every single American citizen between a certain age range, and it's been proposed 18 to 42, every single American will have to go and work for the government bureaucrats for a year to two years of their life. They're still trying to work out all the details on this. So the latest is that Service Nation has been joined by Facebook. According to the story here at blogofbile.com, the partnership with Facebook will support Service Nation's effort to build a national grassroots movement of Americans who volunteer, share service experiences, and build community around the idea that citizen service can help transform our democracy. I mean, they, they use buzzwords that are very, that, that make people who like liberty very uncomfortable. They want to support democracy. They want to enhance. I think democracy pretty much stinks. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Two wolves and a sheep deciding on what's for dinner. Right. They. Uh, this is. Here's the next sentence. Service Nation aims to elevate the ideal of voluntary service as a core element of citizenship, and the coalition is targeting specific social problems with proven service strategies. The core element of citizenship. One of the core elements will be Does that voluntary mean it's a service. Required element. Doesn't it sound that way? It has that kind of uh, ring to it, doesn't it? It does, and that's the that's the disturbing aspect of these people. They want everybody to be more community involved. They're a bunch of you know kumbaya types that want everybody more involved, yeah. and they don't care if you get hurt. While they're putting together their program, this you you need to do this. But it's they, important. But it's saying, a core of citizenship. But they're saying it's voluntary. Yeah, but they're going to say whatever they have to to get exactly. quasi approval, and then they'll fix it up later. That's how they always do it. Exactly. But they'll bring in the program, and then it'll become mandatory later. And by that point, they'll be supporting it, and it'll be too late. But anyway, Facebook will support Service Nation and the upcoming Service Nation Summit with a number of key resources, including technical expertise and advertising. Facebook will help Service Nation build its presence on Facebook, engage aware, create awareness and community through the use of Facebook's tools, and engage Facebook users in a number of critical Service Nation campaign initiatives. So I'm in this weird, you know, we're in this weird position, some of us, that we wanted to find out for sure what these people had to say about whether or not they supported the coercive elements of the. 
national service idea because I don't want to support organizations and companies that are promoting these ideas. And Target made it very clear that they don't support mandatory initiatives. And Service Nation is saying that they don't support mandatory uh, service, so-called. And so based on their official statements... I don't feel like there's much we can do. I mean, can you boycott these companies? Simply I don't want for to boycott supporting? them. I mean, for, for this, for, for what they're claiming, no. I mean, they're backing off enough that I'm not willing to... I think boycotts are a very serious issue. I don't think one should bandy them about right. for nothing. But at the same time, these people need to be watched. Yes. They're, they're a bunch of dangerous people that, that would like very much uh, you know, to take away your freedom. They're not stating it, however, and that... That's that's an issue. So, I mean, I'm not ready to boycott anybody yet because nothing has been ironed out and there's nothing concrete happening yet. But I feel like, I mean, will it be too little too late when the time actually happens? I don't know. Would love your thoughts at 800-259-9231. But anyway, Facebook is now on board with all of these other organizations pushing to expand uh, the the bureaucracy of the federal government. And that's that's. That's enough to make me want to boycott, but I also understand that most companies, they don't understand the liberty viewpoint, Mm -hmm. and they aren't principled, and you can find all kinds of areas where most companies are in some way tied in or getting some sort of favor from the government, so if you were to apply your boycott across the board, you wouldn't be able to buy stuff anymore. Right. Anyway, let's go to your calls. Talk to Steve in Toronto. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Steve. Hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm calling today uh, to uh, totally change gears for a moment and talk about... Chemtrails. I'm only kidding. I'm not. Thank <laughs> I'm calling actually with, with a question. Um, if, if you guys were to um, uh, actually secede from uh, New Hampshire, from the rest of the United States, okay, and establish a voluntary only government, and if Ian were to get his way, and there would be no um, intellectual property law, what would stop this scenario that I'm about to pitch to you from happening? Okay, go. Um, I'm not saying I would do it. I certainly wouldn't. But what pitch would stop it. it from happening? This Where? is Ian's problem, not we mine. Need to pitch, it, pitch it now because we're running out of time. Go sure, ahead. go ahead. If I recorded Free Talk Live every night and sold it to your advertisers and to your radio affiliates for half price. Well, why would they buy it from you? Because it's less money. But well, it's recorded, though. Yeah, but but why so are they? But, I mean, but no one's listening. One of the to things when, when it goes to radio, um, one of the things uh, trying to use Free Talk Live as the uh, the example that you're uh, in anyone's examples fails every time because Ian really doesn't believe in intellectual property. Yeah, but um, Free but, Talk Live is delivered live to radio stations, and mostly and they that's don't pay what, for it. Yeah, that that's what a uh, a, a say, uh, you know a saleable point is. Yeah, so oh, they get they generate their money entirely from advertising. Correct. That's correct. Now you could put together a package where you give them more available advertising than Free Talk Live does. Right. But then you are getting it live, you're you know, you're going to have to record it and play it back and that's probably not going to be too saleable. And, you know, plus the people that I call, I call radio stations every single day. I talk to these program directors. They know who I am. They, uh, you know, many of them would buy my product. You know, they would use our service because we're the originators of the program, uh, whereas you're just a pirate. So and, and you'd have they to have to, reputation. If they wanted to steal it, they could just, uh, you know, put, oh, somebody, put somebody on the board and, and walk over our commercials. They don't even need anyone on the board. They could just start running spots right at the beginning of the commercial breaks, and we'd never well, know Well, not, not with the current laws that are in place. Oh, no. No, there, How no would we would never know? know. We'd have to catch them. And, you know, a lot of these stations don't have streams. We couldn't listen to find I'm not out. in Poughkeepsie. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate the Thank question. You. It's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. See you tomorrow night. You can join us on our website in the meantime and download all of our stuff for free and rebroadcast it or whatever. Please. We'll see you tomorrow online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. 
DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 